0: Hello, and welcome to the Get French Football News show. Ahead of another week of Champions League, French clubs have already hit their European form. Mbappé wipes his tears away as PSG lose 2-1 in Dijon. Lille continue to fail away from home as they fall in Marseille. And only Memphis Depay can overturn this little narrative as he carries Lyon to a late win in Toulouse. In other news, the offside shoulders make their debut in France. We ask, is Edouard Mendy still sliding in Nîmes And why are so many fans either banned, booing, or boycotting French football? I'm Pierre-Paul Birmingham, and I have a great panel here. We have Mohamed Ali, as usual. Hi, Mo.
1: Hello, how are you?
0: Good, how are you? Thanks.
1: Very, very good, thank you. Happy to be back again.
0: Yes. I was wondering, is there anything in the current Ligue 1 table that, you know, any maybe fun fact or or quirky little detail that...
1: You know, uh, um... In addition to what I posted last night, in terms of sort of a couple of things that you know I see in the league table, in um, you know the fact that no team, um, you know, all teams have lost a, a relative proportion amount to their twelve games, mm. uh, somewhere between a, a quarter and a half. But I was just looking, and this is something that I just before this podcast started, I was thinking of in that there are a lot of teams with not so bad home records but really, really terrible away records. Obviously, Lille will yes. come to mind. But I'm looking now at the home table in Liga, and no team other than Toulouse have lost more than twice at home. Absolutely none. Oh, yeah. So you've got you've got teams like uh, you know Montpellier who've won four of their six home games, but are winners away, and they're stuck in eleventh. So you've got uh, you've got Strasbourg uh, who have uh, you know have three wins and two draws at home, but shocking away record you've got hmm. um, Bordeaux who are fairly you know two wins two draws two defeats at home but the away record seems to be relatively decent but no side has lost aside from Toulouse more than two games out of their six or seven at home
0: I, I wonder if that has to do with you know the ever kind of increasing number of tr- bans on traveling fans would that possibly
1: possibly I mean and also, yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's a lot easier to play at home in front of your fans and in a relatively more comfortable environment. There's, I mean, you've got, you've got um, like teams like Angers who have only really won one of their five away from home, they're their second, mm. and Nantes, two wins out of six, four defeats in third. Um, and you've got Lille who have not won at all in the top five. Um, and it's got to be, you know, the way that these teams approach their away games, it's a bit lacklustre, it's a bit error-prone, strewn, and I guess with no s- visible support. Or, I don't know, you know, I think that's obviously something to do with it, but I have no idea why it's uh, it's turned out that way.
0: Yeah. Um, we also have Clinton McDubbus. Hello.
2: Hi. How's Hi. it going? Nice to be here. Great, great, great so far.
0: We're pleased to have you. Do you have any favorite fun fact about the league table at the moment?
2: Oh, yeah. I think I tweeted on Saturday. um, 14 teams are within five points of one another. Mm -hmm. Nine points separate second and 20th. (laughs) Every team in the league has lost, like um, Mo said, every team in the league has lost Mm -hmm. at least three games. And no team has lost more than six games. And also... um, Leghorn is the only top five league whose 20th place team has double-figure points. That's Nim, oh, who wow. have um, 11 points. And Nim have a game in hand, remember? So um, if they do win that game or draw, the distance between 2nd and 20th would be 8 points, which is <laughs> like... So uh, it's like a jungle out there. Like, um, everyone, In fact, I think two consecutive wins for any team takes them like really high on the table at this point. And when you consider that Nantes have lost three games in a row, I think. Yeah, they've lost three games in a row. And somehow they're still third. And like it hasn't affected their position yeah. much. So um, I think um, the positive from that for the uh, managers, I guess, is that it's it's a bit easier to convince um, the whoever is in charge of sacking managers at their clubs <laughs> that um, maybe just one or two wins can, you know, elevate a team from maybe 18th to, I mean, 5th, yeah. actually. I mean, if you look at them um, to lose, if they win two straight games, they could be 5th. I, I,
1: I agree with that. I agree with that, Clinton. I mean, also, I just want to add to that point. I mean, I think it's good for those teams to sort of not be trigger-happy now because whatever happens, you know, you're yeah. only three to six points away from a relatively respectable league position. Uh, so yeah. I guess a lot, of, a lot of teams, even the ones that are in crisis, um, speaking with speech quotes here, they're only, Nice, for example, only f- four points away from second place. Um, and despite they've been heavily criticised for the last couple of weeks as well. Uh, but I've just noticed, looking at this sort of home-in-away divide,
0: mm-hmm.
1: um, I, I think, actually, judging from what I can observe here, it, you know, it actually doesn't really tell the whole, you know, it doesn't really tell a big story because I think that if you look at teams like Marseille and Fourth, who have a fairly balanced home and away record, you know, they've won um, more than twice, both home and away. Um, and then you've got Saint Etienne and Lyon, who have a fairly equal record as well. Teams that can draw out results, both home and away, are the teams that you will expect to see in the top four or five or six later on in the season where I think yeah. that the ones that have a fairly strong home record but then do nothing away, I think they're soon going to be found out. You know, there's 19 away games to play. They've still mm, not found a sure. proper rhythm. It's November, um, and we're coming up to, you know, a third of the season gone. Um, and some teams have really, really shocking away results. I don't know exactly what their sort of game plan is and whether they're throwing all their egg, you know, eggs in one basket. It's the teams, I feel, that have a balance, a relatively balanced record. That will, uh, you know, we spoke about Angers, uh Pierre Paul a couple of weeks ago, of how yeah. they and, a, and they're uh, back up in second, second, second now. Yeah, they're back up in second, but it's crazy. <laughs> when they play away from home, you know, it's they might as well chalk that. Yeah. you know, might as well chalk there's a defeat. <laughs> so maybe things will even itself out a little bit uh, in the coming weeks.
2: Mm. I think so too. I think so I just wanted to add to um, mm. the point about away fans I don't know somehow it reminds me of the Nigerian League because um in Nigeria League if you get a draw away from home it's a big deal because um you don't really have traveling fans like that so when you go away from home you you're playing against the entire stadium <laughs> you're playing against everybody so <laughs> if you get it if you come out with a draw like if you look at the Nigerian, Nigerian league table generally, like normally every time when you look at it, you just see home wins. Like, in fact, I think um, the the league placement is all about who gives up uh, more draws at home. That's what determines it. Oh, in the wow. end. If you win all, if you win all home games, then of course you're likely to be in the title race. And if you don't win all home games, if you win maybe 13 home games, then you're in trouble. You probably would fight relegation. So, um, in a way, I understand that point about you know not having fans and going when you go. I mean, everywhere is going to be hostile and really there's no support for you. When you having the entire stadium against you, it's very very difficult to get a result. You know, in that in that um, case, so um it's understandable that um, a lot of teams aren't really doing well away from home, and I mean the home teams are. Look at that game, the um, the D- D- Dijon PSG game. Like it was like the entire stadium was against PSG, and, and every every touch by Dijon was cheered by the fans and and all that. And then the fans came alive as soon as you know the um Chua goal came came. So, I think it's really hard to play away um, from home currently. So that's probably mm-hmm. a big factor in, in why the results are like that. But over time, I think it will balance out. Um, like Mo said, the 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 guys that are doing worse away like angers they will be found out eventually um unless they do something like really really fast about it and lille as well lille still not won any game have they
0: oh wait have yeah zero played. wins away
2: zero wins like that's, that's just atrocious <laughs> and montpellier as well
0: it's yeah it's, exactly it's terrible. well it's 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 eerily tight Dijon-PSG, which obviously Dijon won on Friday, 2-1. Clinton, what did we think about PSG, you know, off the back of a very strong performance against Marseille, traveling away to Dijon, and and suddenly was it a lack of motivation? What what was the problem?
2: Well, um first of all i'd like to point out that um dijon are a very good team i keep saying it and uh, i don't know i like i like their process they they don't really have the outcomes all the time because um, i think they are very poor finishers but um their process in the build-up play and everything i think i like it and i like how much they pressure and um, press how they press and how they approach all of that so i always say it that um dijon are not I mean, they might—they they were twentieth, I think, before this week. They were, so, yeah. Like, even though, yeah, even though they were twentieth, we um, didn't really say much about how they play. Like, it'd be very, very, very foolhardy to go to Dijon and expect to just walk away with a win. I mean, we saw that against Marseille when Marseille went there and they almost won that game. So, um, I wasn't really surprised that Dijon, you know, were able to walk away with a win. I think um, it's more credit to Dijon, but also um, in the first half, I think. Um, when when um PSG got the goal, I, I figured they thought they had I mean from there it was just going to be lights out and they didn't expect like Dijon to come back from that. But as soon as Dijon came back then I think they, they were um they, they woke up. They woke up and in the second half they were I would say it's not terrific but they were able to create a lot of chances. A lot and um, Icardi just missed all of them so I mean there's that but um, I wouldn't say it was complacency per se I think um, they just came up against a team okay at some point I think they were probably complacent like uh, after they got the first goal they were a bit complacent and I mean Dijon scored just before half time so they probably thought okay we're going to just do this but then they came back for the second half and Dijon scored again just two minutes after the restart so I think it was at that point they realised that okay this could go really wrong today, and then they started. I mean they turned on the style. It's PSG, so and they have so many difference makers. So they probably, you know, thought they were going to be able to get back, but um, that didn't quite happen. But it was helped by the fact that Icardi had a disaster class in the first half. Icardi touched the ball only three times, and he completed zero passes so like he was almost not involved and somehow he managed to miss one big chance and then in the second half i think he missed three big chances in like five minutes or something it was one that hit the woodwork i'm mean, sorry the crossbar and, and all of that so um that didn't help them at all but i think it was more about um dijon being up for it and probably at some point psg got complacent when they had the lead and um they were able to you know turn on the style properly or well enough when realized we're in trouble
0: yeah Yeah. and Mo PSG you know the some of the players kind of looked uncomfortable in the positions that they were playing in Juan Bernat back in the middle Diallo on the left was there some mistakes there too
1: I I I mean uh, no (laughs) essentially um in that they lost 2-1 away from home to the 20th team in Liga Mm. the team that they put out there's no way that you should be feeling slightly uncomfortable or or um you know being overrun the way that they did considering you know the defeat was an epitome and i think we might touch this in a little bit but it was the epitome of not focusing 100% or not 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 so much respecting the opponent but not um You know, treating this game or thinking the game was really a foregone conclusion. Yeah. uh, um, I think some people have said that they um, they had arrived all in smiles and very calm and in jest. Um, You know, going through the motions. It's a Friday night game, the game they expect to win by three or four goals, get the job done, focus on the Champions League, no injuries, six or seven changes, and then job done. Um, And Dijon, considering how. Uh, poor they've been recently. Uh they haven't scored in they've only scored one in their last I think four. Uh was it they did they didn't beat uh uh Lyon and uh Brest and Bordeaux and uh, they look very, very poor. So you know t- Thomas Tuchel will look be looking at that and think, yeah, job done. You know, there's there's a uh, thirty million player should be complaining if he's playing slightly out of position. Um against a team that were quite mismatched as um as Dijon, who, who's really only threat if going into this game was, uh, was Tavares. And considering them, they took the lead, thinking they were in the motions, and then took the foot off the gas. I mean, we had this discussion last week as well when they played Marseille, um, and people obviously would be comparing the two results, Um not only criticising PSG, but also criticising Marseille's approach in that, you know, why well, could look at, you know, how sort of Dijon have pulled the thing out that But this was, again, the clear example of a PSG side who just shrugged their shoulders and when that happens you know anything will go Um, because I didn't think Dijon were really amazing Um, on on Friday night I thought they were uh, fairly compact and then towards maybe the last 20 minutes um, in sort of just absorbing the Parisian pressure and to be honest they were let off in that Paris could have had two goals uh, through Icardi um, and Paredes. To, to Paredes as well, yeah. uh, hitting, the, yeah. hitting the woodwork twice late on and on another day those goals would have come in It would have either finished 2-2 mm-hmm. two, two, or 3-2 and everybody would have forgotten this game and I think everybody has already, uh, from a Parisian point of view shrugged their shoulders and thought, okay well you know, stuff happens um, yeah, we'll move on to to the next game because, um, you know, and I thought Dijon played largely the same way that they did um, against Marseille and against Lyon, you know, not threatening too heavily, just threatening just enough to keep the game interesting. we are not sort of overriding. I mean, why would they? Because, you know, the quality of the opposition would mean that they'd get caught out very, very quickly, but a sort of temperament, a temperamental build-up. Um, and they were very fortunate. And you could see, if I could just um, invite you to look at the second goal uh, scored uh, by Cadiz uh, just after the second half, how many PSG players were in front uh, of that ball, you know he, not only yeah. did Kez, exactly. exactly, has got past two defenders and then while taking a the shot there were two defenders in front of Navas um, it, was, it, was it was like so
2: stressful Exactly, stress it was score. so
1: lax, I mean if we were playing that in the playground <laughs> I'd be super pissed this is, um, <laughs> this is, you know Marquinhos and Kimpembe and you know, like players who do it regularly in the charity. it's just it's just you know, nonchalant, being nonchalant and They got their just, you know, just desserts. I thought Dijon were relatively good value in the end. Um, And there we go.
0: Yeah, I thought it was quite funny as well how Dijon, probably towards the end of the match, around the the last 20 minutes possibly, they would chronically get the ball and find themselves in loads of space with the option of attacking while it was, even though it was still a risky thing. And you could tell there was conflicted opinion. They didn't really know what to do. There was... Conflicting yeah. opinions. Some of them would just run at the PSG goal and, and others would try to temper the That's attack <laughs> and It was as if they were surprised to be ahead in that <laughs> time <match> because we, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> we, we should mention that you know, they were also Dijon were also unlucky to lose three players in the first That's hour injury. to uh-huh. substitution to yeah. yeah to injury yeah. Um, Including Fouad Shafiq who you know took a nasty hit on the head uh, from his own goalkeeper um, but yeah well done to Dijon yeah
2: I think Did- it's, it's it's good for the league that um, PSG are able to lose this many games already and they've lost 3 already in 12 games and I, I saw on stats where they said um, PSG have lost 8 games this year which is the most they've lost mm-hmm. since like in the QSI era That's that's huge
0: yeah in this calendar year yeah that's correct um, has anybody seen, on a slightly different note, what um, the, the the strike from the PSG ultras?
1: Um, well, they strike all the time. It's hard to keep up, isn't it these days? Um, <laughs> well, also, it's different. Know, I'm not, yeah, I'm not particularly aware of this one. No. Okay.
0: Well, it seems to be um, they are they announced last week that they were boycotting. Well, firstly the the match in Dijon, but further games as well, including. Uh, Bruges on Tuesday. Uh, is it on? Well, Bruges this week, as well as the PSG women's games and handball games, which they're used to going to. Um, what they're saying is that they they are speaking out against the police on one hand and on the other as well on a private security firm that uh, PSG employ in in the Parc des Princes, and they're accusing. Uh, you know workers of that firm the kind of stewards of that employed by that firm of provoking them and and trying to push the ultras to a fault so as to possibly have them removed from the stadium once again um so it's uh you know unclear where the situation is headed and i guess we'll follow it in the next few weeks uh because you know we we do have to recognize that the newly reformed PSG Ultras, uh, the, the CUP from, I think, found in 2015, they do add some great noise in the Parc des Princes with, you know, a lot less uh, trouble than, than previous occupiers of those seats. Uh, just to mention that PSG do play Bruges this week uh, and a win could see them qualified for the next round. Uh, I mean should be routine, right? But it they just be lost. Very
1: routine. Um, yeah, I think it's a Champions League game and I think they also wanna just get their you know um, qualification done really, really early. So I doubt I doubt there'll be a second uh misstep and I feel like they only reserve their missteps for really the league.
0: Yeah. That's on Wednesday night. On Saturday, uh Marseille hosted Lille. Marseille went into this match with only one win in their previous seven or eight uh, fixtures. Lille very much on form with the change in formations, but Marseille pulled off the win, two one. Mo, it was a was this a different Marseille?
1: Um, well, it was a much better performance I felt um, on Saturday, um, and I think what a lot of people didn't really realize was the control that Marseille had uh over the game even even if it was nil nil, i didn't think there was really a massive threat that om would lose the game um and that's exactly what's been missing uh the last sort of couple of games where you know they they start the game with a specific identity and they don't lose track um you know don't get confused um when they go maybe a goal down or something they stick with it and maintain it and maintain it with some sort of intensity um, and, yeah, I don't think, you know, I Thought like you said, little were pretty much informing that they barely offer too much of a uh, threat, um, as is the case away from home. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, I think two players that you'd have to sort of commit or three players you have to commit for a good performance is um, Valentin Vangier, um, who has been growing in stature for the last couple of games, spe- spe- specifically since he's been given more of a starting position in place of one of either Sanson or Lopez. Uh, Jordan and Marvi, uh, very much surprisingly, had a wonderful <laughs> game, um, and you know I think yes, he credit is due in the same way that criticism is due it. very promptly. Um, that's jinxed. his second, yeah. Well, that's his second good game this season. The other being yeah, the, the win at Monaco in August. So that's two more than last year already, um, and. And you've well, got uh, Bubba Camera, who, whether he likes it or not, is very, very good um, in front of the defence, hmm. and shows the qualities that uh, perhaps is lacking in Kevin Studman.
0: Interesting, yeah. We we do have to, you know, grant to Amavi that he's coming back from from a long way when he got substituted and and, and substituted at halftime and booed uh, by uh, Marseille fans. Against Chen, I think it was a few weeks ago, mm-hmm. um, and he was very much distraught after that. Uh, but it's good to see him back in form over on this one. Uh, um, Clinton, for Lille, this is you know, people thought they could do something in this game, but again they failed yeah. to win away, and they've got an away match against your Valencia this week.
2: Yeah, um, I remember sitting on. Was it Saturday when we, when Valencia was playing that um, we we're going to lose to the Lille <laughs> the way we were playing the first time? And then I saw the Lille game and I was like, okay, <laughs> more of the same. They're they are just terrible we're away from home <laughs> and they can't win anything. So if they even beat us somehow at Mestaya, then that that would be something. Because I don't know what it is with them. Once they're away from home, they just nothing just clicks. just they're just all over the place and even with the new formation you know that they are still getting used to and all of that they just i don't know like Mo said um, marseille were just in control and i mean they tried to try to come back late on and just didn't work out and that was the end of it Mm. but um i do think that um in the coming months maybe two three months um they're going to get better away from home I mean, especially as they get you know, used to this new formation and all that. But currently, um, I think it's just terrible that they can't seem to do anything away from home. They've not won any game, like, like we were saying earlier. That's, that's just insane. Like, for a team that finished second last year, I get it's a new set of players. But if you're going to return to, to the Champions you go to European football, you need to get in away way. At least something... They've just barely done anything away from home, and I don't know. It's like a different team. I don't know if it has to do with um, the fans. Maybe um, when they're at home, the fans point them on. It just drives them, and then when they're away, they don't have that extra motivation anymore. I don't know what it is.
0: Yeah, I'd be surprised by that, because, I mean, Leeds have good fans, but it's not, you know, they're not the loudest in the country,
2: yeah, not I don't
0: think yeah, or or Saint Etienne or something like that. Yeah. Um, against Valencia, they should Jose Font should be back in the side, right? Um yeah. Whereas Gabriel had a pretty terrible uh, match.
2: Yeah, um, it was un-
0: unlucky, I guess. But sorry, yeah. Yeah,
2: very very unlucky. Very very unlucky. I think he's a great. He's he has the potential to become a, you know, a pretty solid defender and. So far, I think he's, he's, he's a good guy. It's just, it was just one of those days when everything just goes wrong. Everything that can go wrong just mm. goes wrong.
0: Yeah, there was a collision with his goalkeeper leading to, uh, to the goalkeeper, Mike Mignon, dropping the ball. Yep. And then an own yeah. goal. Um, and then up front, uh, Victor Osimhen might be starting again, whereas Loic Remy was not very good against Marseille.
2: Yeah, um I think uh got a knock in the previous game, that's why he, yeah. he, he wasn't start the one. but he should start against Valencia. He's someone that worries me and now we don't have Diacabi. Um because hmm. Diacabe was specifically played, you know, in the other game, the first leg, because of him to deal with the aerial threat and the you know, Simon is very relentless. So um with no Diacabe and I'm hearing that Mangala has gotten into the squad now. Remember, I, I said before that he, yeah. he hadn't gotten any because they were trying to. But we got them with Tiakabi the out now. Um, I think they've rushed Mangala a bit so that he would you know, get into the squad. So he's in the squad for the first time. And it remains to be seen if he'll play. But um, I expect Usimen to give us a lot of trouble on um, Tuesday. I expect him to give us a lot of trouble. And mm. we are going to be playing Garay and Gabriel, I think, with Mangala on the bench. So. And they are not very fast, and they are pretty old. It's very so uh, it's going to be very, very, very you know, tough against them. I think um, Lila really are going to give us trouble, though. I think
0: they are, they are... Mo, do you think they have what it takes? This is their last chance, really. They have one point after three games. If they don't win now... No, um,
1: absolutely no. Um, <laughs> I wish I could be more... I wish I could be... Uh, uh, more positive because they did they did do relatively well in the the opposite game, didn't they? Um, yeah, they did. yeah. And and pulled it back, but you know it's it's a tough ask to you know to um, perform um, in a different sort of vein of form that they have already this season away from home. Yeah. And the players, you know, they've had tests, uh, you know, relatively um, you know decent tests against Toulouse away from home. Which they failed against marseille which was a would have been like sort of a big sort of test of credentials in terms of how they would approach uh a perhaps uh, a stronger or more informed side um and i think adam Astaire, it's at the end of the day, on paper it's one of those heavily inexperienced squads um i guess yeah. who will have to grapple with you know the way of winning in the champions league which is slightly different to sort of get, getting three points on the road in your domestic competition it's going to be sort of fast and furious football it's going to be a Valencia side who also you know need to grab their three points as well Um, and I think the way the tactical setup and the approach of games has been away from home it's a tall order for a team who who you know hasn't picked up a point or or sort of so much a, a win since I think March wasn't it so I mean, it could, it would be obviously fantastic for the coefficient. It would be fantastic for them, mm. and perhaps a just reward for for their efforts last season if they could pick up a, a rather famous European win. Um, but you know, judging over the last couple of games, I think will be a tall order.
2: Yeah, I, I just wanted to add something. You know how um, Lil have this Jekyll and Hyde thing going with home and yeah. away matches. We have the mm. Jekyll and Hyde thing going with the same game, like in ninety minutes. In, in the first half, we were going to be like all over the place, and then, by the second half we increased the intensity. That's what happened against Espanyol last weekend. The first half we were complete rubbish, and then the second half somehow we looked like you know world champions or something. So if we if we come with that kind of approach, like maybe the first half were just rubbish, um, we're going to be in trouble because I think we'll get punished. So um, of course I think that. Um, so any score predictions? ah it will be win.
1: two two goals
2: <laughs> to valencia okay i think we'll win 3-1
0: <laughs> Ooh, wow i, I would That's really want to believe that that Lille can do something here um but it would
2: take it, something though. it would take something like yeah really special
0: i think i'll go with the 1-1 again <laughs> which you know wouldn't be enough just to return to marseille for for one instant, we were saying that this was a big test for Lille, to, you know whether they could kind of build on their momentum to get that away win finally, and one of the reasons many people myself included thought they could do it is that mo marseille they tend to struggle against the bigger sides, and here they've got a win against you know the second place team from last season
1: is yeah. that's an encouraging sign well, it's an encouraging sign, although I think the critics critics will still say that you know Lille away from home is the second worst team in the league. Yeah, uh, you know it's it doesn't really count. The people will only say yeah it's the biggest mm-hmm. if you beat either PSG or Lyon. Um, in the same way, a lot of people uh, a lot of people dismissed OM's comeback um, victory against Monaco uh, both this year and last year for you know it coming against the Monegasque team who. Who were virtually hopeless, but um, no, absolutely. I think it was a very big win in in that it definitely did a couple of things. One, it has empowered uh, certain players. Um, mm. Amavi being uh, one of them. So yeah. it's a fantastic platform. And I think. I, mean, I don't want to sort of tempt fate um, a bit too much, but what AVP <laughs> has done managing sort of this Amavi situation, where he came in, the play was very very hopeless who took him off at half time in a game where he definitely needed to be taken at time and the fans were banging for his blood. Uh, and then slowly, you know, you know, withdrew him from the next game, slowly has reintroduced him, um, you know, 45 minutes or late substitutions at a time, as was the case last weekend and a couple of weeks ago. Um, and now has slotted into a, a strong performance, knowing that even though he might be the only recognised first-team left-back, his position is far from certain, I think. Um, that's something perhaps unique in the top five European leagues being the only key player in that position, and you might not even be guaranteed to start. <laughs> um, and but now he's come back with a stu- strong performance, people are positively surprised. Um, and now he's got the reward of playing against Leon on Sunday, given that Buno Saar, uh, sorry, Hiroki Sakai is uh suspended, or is it Saar one of them suspended? So the other will slot back into Ryback, back, Marvin being on the left, and uh being on on the right. So again, that's the second chance. And if he does well in that game, then he would have made them a massive step in uh, sort of securing his position and uh, sort of changing views on him. So AVB has done well on that on that side. Secondly, it was perhaps um, rather surprising to see uh, Marseille in third place for a couple of hours on Saturday night, giving. <laughs> Uh, here in <laughs> recent results, but such is, such is the weight. I think. If you, if, if when uh, we spoke on the very first podcast of the season back in August, you time in me November OM would be a point from second place, uh, by November, mm. if that constitute a good start. I would say yes, uh, although yeah. it's clearly very much out of context, but um, <laughs> you know, that's that's good, um, and it's done a lot in um, obviously, allaying fears, you know, I think. You know, things could have gotten very messy very quickly had OM lost this game. Um, yeah. In that, this series that they played PSG, Monaco, and Lyon uh, first, and they would have lost every single game. Would have been very damaging for Avb. It would have called into question his approach last week because OM did suffer a heavy defeat uh, last year, which they took on the chin. You know, very very quickly, and mm. uh, they didn't offer any resistance to Paris last week against Monaco in the Coupe, on, on the Coupe de la Ligue on Wednesday. It was the same story. Very, very hapless. Monaco were absolutely shocking. And OM got eliminated. So, you know, AVP has he's, he's given it all that in that, you know, our rivals are, you know, <clears throat> people within our sort of financial muscle, the Lille's and Leons of this world. Two games, he's passed the first test. Sunday will be an absolute blockbuster. A draw there would sort of be acceptable. A win would really um, assist AVB in, in um, you know picking up some merit from his side. But I think beating Lille and Lyon in two consecutive weeks, both in the velodrome, the fans would very much be in on his side. And then looking at results coming, uh, sort of fixtures coming after this game, OEM are playing Toulouse in a stadium where they've won quite a few times. It's regarded as mm. the little velodrome. They're playing best <laughs> at home. <laughs> Angers away, Bordeaux at home, Metz away, and Nîmes at home. And that's just until Christmas, till the end of the year. Angers away is probably the toughest test that comes after that. OM could conceivably get out of those six games, out of those 18 points, the very least, 12 to 14, at the very least, should be able to be getting that. And then come January, Florian Torzan will come back and everything will look great. Right. If they end the year in the podium, somehow keeping the head above water in this very, very congested league, then would have a very very good base to challenge in twenty twenty.
0: Yeah, I mean, I, I wouldn't. I wouldn't share that sort of. I, I think if, of course, if they,
1: of course, they could have lost on Saturday and it would have been
0: <laughs> it yeah, it would have been doom
1: and gloom again.
0: No, but yeah, but I think even if the league stays so tight, even being in the podium in December, you know, doesn't necessarily. Ooh, <sighs> Yeah.
1: I think uh, but I think just... that's what I'm saying. If they take at least twelve to fourteen points from those six Next. games, yeah. twelve to fourteen points from those following six games after the league or after international break, then it doesn't matter what the rest of the league does. OM by by you know by definition would have a good platform in you know the rest of the league can, can take points off each other. If they get yeah. b- <laughs> somewhere between three, four wins and a couple of draws in those six games. 2020
0: will be looking ever so rosy. Well, I guess we'll yeah. have to, you know, take those games one at a yeah. time. I, I, I don't know Absolutely. if the projection of 20, 12 to 14, the, the prediction could change any week. Um, but obviously, super exciting game on Sunday with Lyon. Lyon, who played on Saturday in Toulouse and obtained a win in the 95th minute thanks to uh, Memphis Depay, uh, dribbling through the the in defense, um, you know, it, it's a good thing the Pié is back, isn't it? Mo. Well, um, for for Yeah,
1: yeah, absolutely. And I think um, he's he's been one of the very few players who's who you know has been of credit to Lyon this season so far, mm. um, and a lot of. Their sort of sources of goals uh, doesn't come from um, you know any any tactical identity it doesn't come from any well thought out <laughs> processes. It really relies on individual talent. Um, and credit to Dubai, is some of the goals and some of the movement that he's made and and where he's picking his goals from comes from individual quality. And that underlines his massive massive worth to this Leone team because without him. There's no chance they would have um, they would have won in Toulouse, and they would have uh, you know picked up the recent results they did like in last week against Mets. Um, they're really relying on him, and very fortunately that he's in great form, great for Leon, great for Rudy Garcia. Perhaps not so good for Marseille on a Sunday, uh, but he's definitely I think in contention for Player of the Month as well.
0: Mm, yeah. yeah, and it's it's interesting you know that you know. Without him, they wouldn't, you know, they wouldn't have won this game for sure. He scored two goals, but even taking away what he did, it was all very much based on individual, you know, flashes of brilliance. And, and Clinton, both uh, Moussa Dembele and especially Jeff Renadelaide, they both had some some great moments in those yeah, three goals.
2: They, yeah, they turned up. that um, Jeff assist for the first goal was just sublime. <laughs> uh, it was just amazing. And um I think it's a big problem though for for leon that they have to rely on these individual moments from you know the of course yeah. every team needs those those guys to step up when you know things are tight but when that keeps happening when it becomes a recurring theme that before you can do anything before you can win games you need them to actually step up every time then you have a problem and um, that kind of thing is not sustainable I think that um, they're going to pay for it if, they keep, if it keeps happening. But credit to those guys, though, um, just pulling things out of the air and just you know, <laughs> you know, billing billing um, Leon out again and again and again and again. Especially Memphis, it's just um, it's it's what you it's, it's the reason why you know Leon and Leon, you know, they have those players for that reason. But I mean, it's just not sustainable. Memphis has got in his last four games now, like. For club and country, and mm. and you know, it's just the Mets game was him as well. Um, the just just like that, and I think um, the Leipzig game as well, he scored in Champions League. So he also scored against Benfica, I think, yeah, away um, in Portugal. So it's just like they are becoming too reliant on those those moments, and it's just I mean, how do you how do you keep doing that every week? At some point you're going to hit a big ball and it's going to, you're going to pay for it. that's just it so I'm not really optimistic about um Leon at this point uh, I still think they are not um they're not anywhere close to being there, but the good news for them is that um somehow they are tenth uh, but they are three points behind um third and four points behind second so there's there's some hope for them Four for losses four draws four wins
1: mm. it's,
2: uh, I think that um, you know they, that's that's one positive that they should do. but if things don't change anytime soon, if if the process doesn't get better, the process the attacking process doesn't get better, then they're going to pay for it eventually. And I, I absolutely think they're going to lose to Marseille next week. But mm. um, yeah, I think they're going to lose. <laughs> but um, if if they're it's going to get prediction. anything from that game. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think they going to lose. Well, if they're going to get anything from that game, it would probably be some Memphis moment or some um, Dembele moment or some Jeff moment. or some award moment. Like mm. it's not it's not going to be from some wonderful build up or something. Probably be a mistake at the park, something. So that's why I said they would lose because I think um, somehow I, I just think Marseille are, are more of a team than them at this point.
0: Mm. And and Lyon do have another big match before that in the Champions League. Uh, they play on Tuesday against Benfica. Um, Lyon have four points from their first uh, three matches in in yeah. in Europe, so they can still very much uh, make it out of that group if they can, especially if they can get a win here. Um, but Mo, I wanted to ask you again on kind of individual performances. One source of concern is Anthony Lopez, who scored a own goal on Saturday, and that's his second mistake after the goal he gave away against Benfica um, a couple of weeks ago. Is is there, you know, any source of concern there?
1: Um, possibly no. I mean, it's it, you know this sort of stuff happens, um, mm. and I don't think any Leon fans will be overly concerned by. Um, by any sort of long term, maybe declining quality or anything like that, you know, he's been a very, you know, very very good goalkeeper. He's been a fantastic goalkeeper. Uh, these sort of things, you know, just happen, and I think they are both still isolated incidents. Um, well, obviously the Benfica one being uh, a, 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 a very bizarre freak um, mistake, uh, but I think the one on Saturday it just happened under pressure from his own defender yeah um and you know sort of some confusion but it's 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 hardly epidemic of any sort of major issues but would you find any sympathy from me absolutely not um (laughs) in that um what i personally didn't like and maybe i'm picking at straws here because i do think lopez is a fantastic goalkeeper who's done saved more points for leon than anything he's lost recently um but his sort of demeanor, a little bit in going down under the, you know, imitating that the fact that he went down under the prep, under some sort of foul uh, from a Toulouse uh, from the Toulouse forward, um, you know, acting as if he was injured in the build-up, when in fact it was his calamitous error. It was his error in misjudging the accuracy of the ball, and then you know coming up against his own defender and then mm. dropping the ball allowing that open goal uh, in which to lose uh, scores, which is fair enough you know you have to hold your hands up things don't go perfectly all the time but trying to fake injury and gain a little bit of sympathy thinking you know try and hide from your mistake he needs to sort of drop that I think and he's not going to get any sympathy points from me or or most uh, neutral um <laughs> watchers uh, well let me ask you up.
0: yeah if his form you know does continue to decline a little bit would you be upset with Steph Mondanda if he were to share the address for his miracle fountain of youth spa? Yeah,
1: no, no, yeah, yeah, yeah. There's <laughs> a case to say that. Uh, There's obviously a case to say that Lopez is perhaps the the most talented goalkeeper. Although of Rams is is closing very very fast. Um, but he's looked like the rest of his team very, very average uh, mm. uh, this season. Uh, but I hardly think it's anything, you know, epitomising it, you know, any sort of quality deficiency
0: from him. Um, but Yeah. So, so do we think they'll get a result against Benfica? Mm.
1: I, I would yeah, like I to say they... yes. I would like to say that they go, you know, all out. Um, just so they can tie themselves out. And so I wouldn't be against a, uh, a victory for them tomorrow. Hmm.
0: Clinton? Uh,
2: I think they're going to win, but it's going to be a very scrappy scrappy affair. But I think they'll somehow come out with a win. But um, there's one thing I know about Leon is that when I expect them to win, they draw. Yes. <laughs> so, <laughs> Champions, so I'm not even going to, going to do that, I think, I think they'll win I think they'll
0: yeah yeah no I agree my predictions are never right for them but let's hope they can get something and, and get a second team to the round of 16 uh, before we move on Clinton maybe a quick question on, on on Toulouse I never thought I would ask this actually but <laughs> are they attacking too much are they putting too many attacking players on the pitch <laughs> baby you
2: know I I don't get what's happening with Toulouse at this point because why are they playing three two games like it's just weird why are they scoring two goals where are they getting that from they scored two goals in their last four games five games no four games two goals in their last four games like each that's just not Toulouse at all It's, it's so confusing for me because I'm like why are they having such such games like But i think it's a good thing um that they are they are scoring and doing all of that but um for a team battling relegation uh it might not just be a good idea to be that uh, open because i mean when you're considering three goals here three goals here and all of that then and you're not getting the points i mean if you're scoring and somehow getting draws and all of that it's a good thing but if you're not getting results then there's a problem so um, maybe they shouldn't be that open but I think it's also a good good sign that they're able to get goals I think mm-hmm. um, where this will count is when they play against teams that are you know battling relegation with them those six pointers that's where it counts and if they're able to get goals in those kind of games and avoid defeats then it will make more sense but I mean a game against Leon, it's a game where you expect them to concede so it's I think it's it's okay I mean, 3-2 is not in this in this context. But if they're going to play against um, Mets and they concede 3, then there's a problem. If they play Mets, if they play um, Dijon and they con- concede 3 and score 2, then they would have to be you know, very aware about that. So I think um, maybe they should just choose games when they, they need to be compact and when they need to you know, be a bit open, more open and attack. So they just it's just about knowing you know, the situation that warrants each approach. So I think yeah. that's just it.
0: And two goals for in, in two games for Yaya yeah, yes, Sanogo, uh, <laughs> which is an unusual statistic. <laughs> um, let's advance to the big Sunday night match, uh, which again had no European teams involved this time. Well, no, Europe League team involved, rather. Saint-Etienne Monaco on Sunday evening. Saint-Etienne obtaining a 1-0 win in what was, well, it was weird, Mo, because I thought, you know, as a, to watch it, it wasn't very interesting. But both teams seemed to have put in a a huge amount of effort, and at the end of the match, you know, you had players almost collapsing on the pitch.
1: Well, yeah, I mean, it was it's still a relatively big game, Sanetty and Monaco. Um, I think it's it was you know a chance for both teams to show. Um, Sort of a good side to themselves, especially Saint-Étienne, considering their recent revival, but also Monaco in having beaten Marseille and uh, Nantes in uh, in uh, recent games in Rennes as well. So, you know, against fairly formidable sides in the league, they've managed to come slowly uh, up from the MLA's, but um, you could be forgiven for, you know, both teams really going at it because of the sort of veracity um, of, you know, the, the performance and also um the scalp on offer. Um mm. and it was fairly you know, fairly interesting game. Um it you know like on, uh, perhaps the only negative thing was the fact that there was practically no one there to see it. Yeah uh, relatively <laughs> um but yeah but um I quite enjoyed sort of the, the twos and throws um there were a couple of chances uh particularly for Saint Etienne you had Adrien Silva who went very, very close for Monaco. Um and I think essentially Cynthia and have really resembled a very, very compact team, They're very good defensively, very more you know, more alert, more defensively, you know, communicating well across the back line, which, you know, if you look back in August, September with Makudi, um, there was a whole lot of things going on. You could park a uh, you know, you could you could send so many plays through um on goal. The fact that it was so loose they'd left space the size of the Loire Valley um <laughs> at, the, at the back. But you know, they've they've looking very, very good. And Claude Poel is a very, very big um factor in that. You know, they've become more stable as a team, they've become more balanced. Um uh, not loose uh, in going forward. They you know they go forward as a team, they defend Compactly have several men behind the ball when Monaco, uh, you know, advanced um, And they're going to take very, very big satisfaction from that result because obviously It's, it, you know, it means that they've beaten, you know, Lyon, Bordeaux and Monaco uh, In three of their last five games um, And really managed to draw themselves up I think it's four wins and a draw in their last five, or something like that um, since Yeah came, Became boss Yeah um, and they pulled themselves up from the relegation zone. So it's clear to see what a managerial change has done for them.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Um, There was, as you mentioned, empty stands on either side uh, behind each goal as the, uh, you know, banned by the league for repeated use of pyrotechnics uh, and so on, which didn't stop them from using uh, flares and pyrotechnics in the main stands instead. (laughs) um I but mean, it did take... I mean,
1: just just a point on that sure. i mean it have you know obviously i'm not condoning widespread use of standards but this is something that goes on uh, in germany and eastern europe etc and there's i mean we, you know there's no significant issues in sort of health and safety or
0: i actually or, agree or yeah.
1: major stuff and it it does a lot for the vibrancy of the league i mean the league in one hand yeah, denigrates his team, bans, uh, you know, closes stands, issues financial penalties and whatnot. I think that was one point that Marseille got uh, about 300,000, 400,000 euro worth of fines over the course of the season, which mm-hmm. is not an insignificant amount. Um, and then on a second sort of phase, you have the uh, uh, the highlights or the, the trailers for the games on plus each weekend, uh, for the big Sunday night game, etc. Especially when mm. Marseille is involved or other smaller, you know, <laughs> it's all to do with fans, you know, vibrancy, the stands being am- animated, uh, TIFOs and flares and, you know, hot-headed, you know, sort of full, full-blooded full football matches. I, I don't really get the irony. <laughs> um, yeah. They're happy to promote it, but then when it comes to these sort of games that, you know, they're very quick to sort of ban it. And it's part of fan culture. I mean, it can be policed, it can be um, uh, perhaps regulated, but... Yeah. It's, it's, it's just, it really lacks. I mean, when you see a prime time Sunday night game featuring two historical teams in Liga watched by about 10,000, to 10, 15,000, um, it's just, it's just pathetic. Yeah, Noah, the, the,
2: the atmosphere was completely just all over. It was just poor. And I think the atmosphere is part of what makes the experience what it is. So when you take that, atm- that atmosphere away, then there's a problem. You're not going to, the games will seem, I mean, a bit, um, shall I say, drier than it usually would look. I mean, even if the two teams are boring, the atmosphere alone just adds something to the experience that makes it a bit, seem a bit more interesting than it is. So when you mm. take that away, then there's a problem. It's just, it just looks bland. And that's why it was on, you know, on Sunday. It was just, I, I missed that. I, I needed the noise and all of that. And it was just, it was just sad.
0: No I agree it was it was really lacking last night and I think um like you mentioned mo it's you know you see these around Europe and there's generally not much of a problem with them and it's kind of strange to I don't know why there's a clampdown on them but i I don't know exactly what the legal um, parameters are, but I do suspect that the league is kind of obliged to act against them because of something in french law um that's something i, I would want to look into actually I, I don't know exactly what the rules are but i think they're kind of you know they have to do it and that's why they they yeah. do the bans but i i agree it's, it's completely a shame and then of course um clinton the other thing that was kind of depressing about this match was you know the whole controversy about the var um, in in several situations, starting with when Wesley Fofona was sent off, but then not sent off because the player was offside uh, around the 70th minute. What did you make of uh, of uh, jean kevin Augustin's shoulder being slightly ahead of the line?
2: I uh, think um, that they had to get that decision right, so that because the 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 repercussion was huge. A red card is a huge factor mm. so it had to be the correct decision. They, they couldn't just overlook that and say, okay, um, well, it's just a shoulder or something. It had to be the correct decision. I think they made the right decision in that case. Um I was when the red card happened at first I even thought that um Fofana got to the ball before Augustine but then I saw the mm. replay and I saw that he, no, didn't, he didn't get yeah. the ball first. And then he was on his way out, and I think it was Bulebuzi that called him back and said, "Oh wait, wait, they're checking this thing," and then they checked, and it was a shoulder. I mean, it was it was it was a huge moment, and it could have been a huge turning point. So they couldn't afford not to make that decision, you know, the correct decision. They couldn't just overlook that and say, well, okay, and well, it's still it's just a shoulder." I mean, we saw in the Premier League when. Um, <laughs> This guy's armpits. They said it was armpits. So it was offside, <laughs> <laughs> Femino. and that that one was hilarious. But I mean, in the end, it has to be the correct decision because that. I mean, I can understand if in another um, context, in another situation, the it was overlooked, you know. But in that situation, someone was about to be sent off, and if, if the guy was offside, then they had to make the right decision because that red card was going to have a huge bearing on the game. So Mm. I think they they did the right thing. And um,
0: the difference with the Firmino one was that with Liverpool, the linesman actually called it offside originally. And so there was no decision overturned. And I I feel like that's fair enough. Whereas here with such a close doubt to actually go ahead and take the decision to overturn it. Um, and, And that was, you know, one of two big incidents that went against Monaco um, well, according to them, at least, Mo, they were upset with the goal from Aulu. Um, I think they were. They wanted, They wanted. said there was a foul in the build-up. Mm. Um, do, do you have a strong opinion on this? Or, you know, were they just Not particularly,
1: match. Angry? I think was one of those things, yeah.
0: Absolutely.
2: Yeah. Well, but I think and, that goal was cancelled, though. The uh, Aulu goal was cancelled for offside.
0: Am I mixing up? No, the, yeah, that was the, it, the sorry, it, the Buanga goal. Buanga um, goal, yeah. They, there was a foul by Aulu in the build-up. Well, they said oh, yeah. there was a foul in the, by Aulu in the build-up. Um, yeah, I didn't think
2: it was a foul, though.
0: No, I, it was, yeah. it's just... Yeah. It he yeah.
2: yeah. was looking for it and didn't get it, so.
0: Well, the, Monaco certainly was upset about it. Um, Leonardo Jadim had a little uh, bit of a meltdown in the conference um you know citing a message left from his son asking him papa how is this possible <laughs> and and things like this uh, he might be disappointed too that aulu uh, <laughs> uh, you know aulu who's on loan from monaco was involved in the okay. build up of that goal
2: I think that they had enough chances to still get rid of that ball after the incident, and they didn't. So, um, in the end, they still have themselves to blame because you have to play to the whistle. And, of course, the foul wasn't given, and the ball was, you know... There were were enough chances to get rid of that ball, and they didn't. So, Mm. they they really just have themselves to blame. Somehow, it also reminds me of the Liverpool-Manchester-United game (laughs) when that guy got... um, Was he Origi? Yeah, Origi got fouled, and... Went on. I mean, in the end, there's still enough time to you still have enough chances to get rid of that ball. So if, if you still don't do your work, you mm. don't do enough to, to to you know defend there, then you still have yourself to because that's just how it is.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Um and then, well, in the end, uh Ruben Aguilar was sent off, and there's that dramatic video of him kicking the VAR monitor, which I suspect I, we'll I get him suspended. I don't get why he was so
2: angry. Like I don't get why he was so upset. It was the correct decision. <laughs> he took he yeah. was the last man and he took out um, Boanga. So why was he so upset? <laughs> he was swearing and he was almost in tears, and I was just confused. I get it if you think that he did not deserve to be sent off. It was a, it was a contentious decision, but that was as it was class day that he was going to get sent off, and he deserved it. So it was just acting out. It was it was weird.
0: It's his second red card of the season, too. so. Um,
2: it's casino. top of the league.
0: Yeah. <laughs> All right. And let's talk about um, one more match from the weekend on Sunday as well. Uh, nice hosted Reims, and Nice were a uh, winless in six in the league. Uh, but uh, Reims got an early red card uh, against Moussa Doumbia. Well, that was also kind of harsh. We might talk about that. But uh, let's begin by talking about Nice, who got the 2-0 win. Um, It's good news for Vieira, but the atmosphere at that club, again, is, is kind of... I mean, they were getting booed by their fans, even though they were losing. Mo, do we see a way out of this situation for Vieira, even with an improved form?
1: Um... I, I think there'll come a time when uh, the new owners will see um that they can't sort of build around the air. I think that's the main mm. going to be the main feeling um maybe not in the coming weeks but it will become apparent as long as sort of these slightly you know silently bob along um, somewhere in mid table uh, for for the large part of the season you know Jim Ratcliffe and Co will look and say can we Trust our investment around Patrick Vieira. Is this team going places? Do we have uh, a forward-thinking sort of a young manager who is able to take the you know take the club to the next level? And the answer is likely going to be no. Um, you know, Nice look very much disjointed. They were very fortunate um, in beating a you know a, a very good Ham side who mm-hmm. are defensively strong, as we know and have spoken about at length in this podcast. Uh, and the goals did come from fairly fortuitous uh, areas where, you know, there were four players in front of the small uh, box inside the penalty box uh, that beat, uh, I think it was Hael uh, that scored the second goal. And,
0: yeah.
1: Uh, Rijkovic could do nothing. And then he was unfortunately beaten by Sepihan's long uh, long strike, uh, which clattered off the post just behind him again. Very unfortunate goals to concede because they've only conceded six mm. um, they've conceded the third of their goals of the season on Saturday <laughs> um, which is fairly amusing but also I think yeah. they were pretty damaged the game a little bit by sending off Dumbia um, in that you know, it was a very quick yellow card and then uh, another yellow card for, for descent like two seconds later which I've I tried to see whether it was um, something you know Said something that was perhaps so yeah. crazy, but then it was it was a it was a it was a really sort of pathetic slow clap, and that was it. Um, and then you compare it with you know Dimitri Paya. I think it, it was silly, and it ruined the game from Prime's point of view because they obviously do play the way they play with eleven players focused on their sort of individual game plans in in defending strongly. When you when you lose either a player like that. Um, it sort of really f- affected the the game plan for them. Um, and these, CS were victors, but were they convincing? No, they weren't. Um, they've still won as many as the sides uh, above them, um, which is, you know, not too bad. Um, it, it depends on whether they can chain their victories and, and score more as well um, with, you know, players in the front three that look uh, fairly threatening. Mm. Um, and yeah, I mean they got the three points, and that was the most important thing. It will be a tough test this Friday against Porto uh, before the international break, and I think that will go some way in sort of sizing up whether you know Vieira um, will be given more time. And because obviously after the international break they play Nice, uh, sorry, they play uh, Leon um, away from home, which is a, a, a tough big strain. Obviously they need all the help they can get at the moment.
0: It depends which Bordeaux side shows up uh, on on Friday, I guess. Because if it's the one we saw uh, this weekend, that that could be dangerous. Uh, But I think it was last week they had a pretty... Yeah, against Lille, they were disastrous. So um, who knows which way that goes. Um, Yeah, I'll just run through some of the uh, other matches very quickly. So Bordeaux, as we just mentioned, got a 2-0 win in Nantes. This guy, Huizhou Huang, he's pretty good, isn't he? That's his third goal, all of them from outside the box. Um, He also assisted uh, Bordeaux's first goal with an outside of the foot pass, uh, which was kind of neat. Angers, whom we mentioned at the top of the show, are back in second uh, with a 1-0 win against Strasbourg. Um, Strasbourg away form, as we said as well, is pretty disastrous. Mess to Montpellier nil. Had Diallo with another goal for Mess. Uh, that's his eighth of the season. But uh, Montpellier came back into this one uh, by scoring two goals in six minutes in the second half. Um, Der Zakarian was still very upset about <laughs> their first mm. half per- performance. Um, and they could have done, uh, probably could have done better there and maybe gotten their first away win. And um, finally, Amiens won Brest nil. Uh, Amiens, you know, it's good to see them confirm against smaller sides. They, they have struggled to get points against smaller sides so far. And uh, apparently, Aurelien Shejou is, is doing very well uh, with them back from Turkey uh, over the summer. And the final match was uh, Nimren, which, of course, didn't happen. Uh, I'm sure you guys saw the video of Edouard Mendy yeah, yeah. at, at warm-up.
1: Yeah,
0: <laughs> unbelievable. I mean, he looked like he had just stepped out of a lake or something. It did not. It looked wetter than rain can make you. Um, so it makes sense for that match to have been uh, postponed to a later date uh, that has not yet been determined. Um, Rennes will play in the Europa League this week as well as Saint-Etienne, but you know their form hasn't been great. Neither of them, unfortunately. In Ligue 2, Lens are back on top, uh, having beaten leaders Lorient one-nil. Uh, so it's a three-way tie at the top now between Lens, 3 and Ajaccio. Uh, and in the women's league, PSG dropped their first points of the season uh, with a one-one draw against gangan um, some interesting scenes at halftime when they PSG manager Olivier Schwafni decided to do his talk on the pitch in front of cameras and things got a little heated and shortly later he he substituted Marie-Antoinette Cotezot who came off in tears uh, so with Kylian Mbappé celebrating his goal by the little uh, eye wipe again and this time real tears at PSG uh, they're no longer first, seeing as Lyon won 3-0, um, and France plays over this weekend, it's the international break, France plays against Serbia in Bordeaux, Captain amandine Henry, uh is uh, out with an injury. The U17s, has anyone followed this, or me?
1: Fairly from it, distance, yeah.
0: Yeah, well, they've they've won both games uh, since last week, finished top of their group, but With nine points, they won 3-1 against South Korea and 2-0 against Haiti over the weekend. Um, Do we know who they're playing in the next round? I don't have that. Australia. Australia. France-Australia in the next round. Uh, That's happening over in Brazil. Right. Uh, That's all we have for you today. Thank you, Clinton, for coming on.
2: Thank you for having me.
0: And thank you, Mo, for being here, as, as always. Thank you. As always, you can get all the latest French football news on Twitter at GFFN and more in-depth, article, in-depth articles at GetFrench, getfootballnewsfrance.com. We'll talk to you next week once again. There's a big Lyon-Marseille, Marseille-Lyon, rather, match between now and then, so keep an eye out for that. And thank you for listening.